Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January 21st. In the year of our Lord, 2023, this is our one of two. And the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America, and to use the checks and balances our founding fathers gave us brilliantly to stand for liberty. We can do that peacefully, you know. We're one of the most unique countries on the planet. We have the solutions within our form of government. Most countries don't have that. That's why when people uh, literally promote freedom indexes and say, oh, other countries are freer than America, they forget this fundamental reality that we have the seeds for solutions right in our proper role of government. We, the people, just need to get involved using the checks and balances that made America great. Welcome to the broadcast. I got a quick bunch of recap notes from previous shows. I just haven't had time to get to them because we've had so many incredible guests and et cetera, et cetera. We talked about with Brian Rust and Kelly Finnegan, another Biden disaster. Saudi Arabia announces readiness to trade in currencies other than the U.S. dollar. Yeah, that'll seriously give our economy some grief, folks. I'm telling you right now, the dollar has been king in the world because we forced other nations to use it. Now they're starting to push back as they get more and more and more mojo to trade with other countries and et cetera. They're sick of it. Well, Saudi Arabia is one who has always kind of been our friend and stuck with us, but now they're about to bail also. That is going to be disaster for the American economy. We also had a guest on, Mr. Ward Connerly. He's the author of a bunch of different books, though. One of them is called Creating Equal, My Fight, Against Race Preferences, Lessons from My Uncle James, American Civil Rights Institute is his organization, ACRI.org. Now, Ward and I don't agree on everything. Uh, You know what? He's for same-sex marriage kind of stuff. I'm against it. But we agree on a lot of things. And we need to learn to talk to people that we agree with on a lot of things to influence them towards our way of thinking to be kind, to be respectful, to agree to disagree agreeably. Connolly, by the way, is the key figure responsible for the passage of Prop 209, which outlawed race and gender-based differences uh, in colleges, state colleges, universities, hiring, etc. Look, the guy's against racism. The guy's against special privilege. The guy's against, um, you know, these government whatever you want to call them, special privileges for the few at the expense of the many, he's against those, and so am I. In fact, he wrote an article called America Isn't a Racist Nation. Yeah, July 24th, 2020 is when he wrote it in the Wall Street Journal. Pretty influential column. Anyway, there you have it. We also talked about this congresswoman introduces bill that criminalizes the criticism of anyone who is non-white. Yeah, it would potentially result in a conspiracy charge. Conservative doc, um, 
Nationalconservative.com has that article. Sheila Jackson Lee, she's a whack. She's in the 18th district in Texas. She's been there since 1995, and she literally is promoting racism at the highest levels of our government. Okay, you, you know what? Criticizing people isn't always a kind, good idea. I get it. But to suggest that it's a conspiracy, to pit whites against others, what a shameful effort she's making. All right, that's a recap of some of the previous discussion points. Yesterday's show, we had uh, Scott Bradley with me, freedomsrisingsun.com. He was with me both hours. First hour, we had our guest Alex Newman with us, well-known writer, journalist, author, speaker, award-winning virtually everything. John Birch Society, thenewamerican.com. And Alex reports live from the Reawaken Tour. It's uh, in Nashville, Tennessee this weekend, so we got an update from Alex on that. We also talked about Davos 2023. The Davos or Davos concert or conference, I'm sorry, is a meeting that's held by the World Economic Forum, the WEF. Disaster, folks, as globalist leaders literally use the economy, the environment, or global warming, or whatever you want to call it, climate change, against us all for the global tyrannical agenda. In fact, researchers are now claiming that coffee is contributing to climate change. Now, folks, I don't drink coffee, but I'm just saying these people are off their rock. Everything you do relates to climate change they want you to believe. You and somehow the earth are enemies because they don't believe in God, you see. So they don't realize the whole purpose of the earth is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. They don't even get it. Al Gore's radicalism was on display at the Davos conference. He uh, spoke, literally said the seas are boiling. I mean, the guy's off his rock crazy. But he's made billions of dollars off of the dishonest lies and scandal. CNN turning against Joe. CNN airs damning report against Joe Biden, he did indeed interact with hundreds of business associates of Hunter Biden, even though your president is denying it. He needs to be impeached for the cover-up, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that what the claim took down Nixon? National security concerns over Joe Biden's classified documents are getting worse. Yeah, turns out while Hunter Biden was raking in millions of dollars from the Communist Chinese Party, he was hanging out in the garage where hunters, well, who, who's Corvette? Hunters or his dad's? Either way, I guess they were driving the car and hanging out, and that's where the classified documents were. Yeah, and then Hunter paying $49,000 a month to live in Joe's house. Money laundering, can you say? Scandal, can you say? That was hour one of the broadcast. Hour two, we had on another guest, Destry Griffiths. He is the CSPOA.org's, the Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association's Utah State Director. We introduced him to the audience. Great gentleman, by the way. And we talked about lawsuits challenge recent unconstitutional Illinois semiotic gun ban. The governor there, criminal as it gets, needs to be thrown out of office and arrested for his crimes. He's sworn to uphold the Constitution to protect from enemies, foreign and domestic, but he's literally pushing for gun control. Biden also needs to be 
criminally charged for his violation of his oath of office. Biden pledges to take away guns. Reveals his true goal to ban most guns. That's not how you swear an oath. Or how you swear an oath, folks. That's not how you keep your oath of office. Promising to uphold the right to keep and bear arms. And then at the state and the general level, violating those oaths. We need to arrest Prisker and Biden over this, ladies and gentlemen. Very few talk show hosts will have the guts to tell you that straight out like I will. The Supreme Court, by the way, cannot find the leaker of the abortion draft ruling. Yeah, the Supreme Court said they can't identify the leaker. I think they're absolutely lying to you folks. They can find the leaker. They just don't want to. Yeah, Donald Trump calls for jailing journalists if they will identify the Supreme Court draft leaker. The blaze with that piece. Now, shame on the Donald, folks. Okay, look, you can force government folks to maybe testify if they've been involved because they work for us, right? But the average Joe, a journalist, the average American, they don't have to tell you anything. They can plead the fifth and remain silent. Don't you understand that? Shame on you, Donald, for not understanding the constitutional reality or the rights of Americans. All right, there you have it. Now, the Treasury Department announced that it hit its, quote, $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. They hit that Thursday morning, so we've already soared past it by millions. It's a disgrace, folks, but what do you expect? Now the battle's on for what they're going to cut, what they're going to spend, whether they're going to increase the debt ceiling or not. And the reality is they're absolutely going to increase the debt ceiling. How do I know? Because the folks who have the guts not to, there's not enough of them. They can't even stop McCarthy from becoming speaker. Okay? So, you know what? The debt ceiling is going to be increased. Expect it. Count on it. Write it down. I warned you. Should it happen? Absolutely not. What we need to do is talk about how the Federal Reserve has got us in such debt in the first place. We've got to abolish the Fed. Uh, we also need to talk about shutting down the government entirely. Nobody has this plan but me. But listen carefully. Shut down the government entirely. Zero funding. And then let's have Congress, starting in the House of Representatives, by the way, constitutionally, they control the purse strings. And let's have them, ladies and gentlemen, justify every government program's constitutionality before it rises from the ashes and becomes funded once again. And if you can't justify it constitutionally, it never gets funded. But see, nobody's talking about a common sense plan like I am. Nobody. It's a shame. That's a recap of the broad, some of the broadcasts we've been talking about recently. You want to get the archives, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net's where they are. They're free. Spread the word, share the love, tell your neighbors. Get involved. Hard-hitting constitutional talk. Now, Dr. Scott Bradley gets a little frustrated with me from moving topic to topic so quickly. I know he wants to, you know, give you the historical reality on everything, and I really appreciate his, his relevance and knowledge. What we try to do, though, is give you the information on every topic that comes up to the best of our ability. What's the constitutional response? What are the solutions? How should we, how should we interact with all this stuff? We aim to do that on your broadcast two hours a day, six days a week. Chris Carlson coming up in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. 
The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education, conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit. A battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Okay, without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in that fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. So let's talk about, um, I know this is a little bit old news, but um, it's developing news. Beware of compromise behind the scenes is the title of the, the next segment that we'll be talking about. How will Speaker of the House McCarthy betray us now? Because that. He, that the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, will break his promise to the Freedom Caucus is a foregone conclusion, I write. How he will do it has yet to be seen. I predict that there will be an emergency of some sort that will appear to necessitate this betrayal, and I also predict that the people will fall for it, unfortunately. You and I, Sam, we will not fall for it, but it will happen, and I believe it will happen before the end of this year. But first, let's take a look at some of the compromises that Speaker McCarthy made with the Freedom Caucus led by Matt Gates. Okay, so we're going to go item by item through these promises. You remember there was um, it took 15 votes to finally get uh, now Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy through. And a lot of people are saying, well, why don't you just uh, you know throw in the towel? You know, don't run. Obviously, we don't want you. But they couldn't because they didn't have enough votes to vote for anybody else. So they comp- uh, so uh, apparently Kevin McCarthy compromised, and these are the compromises that he made to the Freedom Caucus led by Matt Gates. Number one, McCarthy will appoint a panel to investigate the, quote, weaponization of federal agencies, unquote. 
Uh, and it goes on to say, now, I'm, uh, by the way, I sh I'm going to give credit where credit is due. This is from, as a lot of my material that uh, I bring to the table here at Liberty Roundtable Live, Sam, it comes from uh, Joel Skousen's World Affairs Brief. And then his comment is like the FBI, um, he says, uh, the weaponization of federal agencies will be investigated uh, by a special panel appointed by McCarthy. And um, he gives examples, the FBI targeted investigations and spying on President Trump and his allies and colluding with social media companies like Twitter to censor information on the Internet. We've talked about all those things. Um, well, we'll see if this panel will be uh, created by Mr. McCarthy through his leadership in the House now that they have the majority. Uh, but Joel Skousen, and I'm going to read Joel Skousen's comments, and I'll read mine after I read his. On this particular topic and the other, uh, there are about 14 of them that we'll go through, Sam. He says, however, all such things are hidden behind the veil of national security. And that's how they're going to evade a lot of the real major issues because they'll bring, for example, Christopher Wray in or they'll bring um, Attorney General Merrick Garfinkel. That's his real name. It's not really Garland. He changed it because he didn't want people to know that he's a Zionist Jew. Um, he says uh, it'll be hidden under the veil or behind the veil of national security. So about the best we can expect to see, and this is Joel Skousen uh, continuing his quote, is to see the administration and intelligence officials being evasive as they refuse to answer or cooperate with investigations by the panel. Okay? Um, and then I just add to that, Sam, Christopher Ray and Merrick Garfinkel will just say, I cannot comment on an ongoing investigation because the um, FBI and the CIA and all of these Intelligence organizations are just going to say, well, you know, we're, we're doing our own investigation on, on this particular spying issue, you know, or, or this particular issue in general. Uh, so we can't comment. We've seen that. I mean, we've over and over and over. And I would simply say we're doing our own investigation. And you know what? We have enough evidence to indict you. You're indicted, sir. Come off the stand now and be handcuffed immediately. See, that's what needs to be said to these criminals. We have enough evidence. No one has the guts to move. And that's where we stand. The criminals run the asylum, sir. Yeah. Well, it would be nice if... Um if somebody in a position of authority would do that, if a judge, a federal judge, or a, a member of the um, FBI in high enough positions uh, would do that, I don't think we're going to see that, unfortunately, because it's a matrix. It's a, it's, people go to Washington, D.C., and it, it's a power vacuum um, or a power, power matrix that people get sucked into, and it's just a whole different world I have. I've never been to Washington, D.C., and I don't plan to be there. But they say that it's just, you know, the power structure is rigged against anything constitutional and everything that is destroying this nation, Sam. And once you get up there, it's, I've heard people comment on how it's a lot different than what they expected. There's a lot of pressure being applied in, in areas where, you know, you, you don't want to go, but they have to go there. So that's that. So number two, we've got about 14 of these on, on the list. Uh, actually, 15. So let's let's move on to the second compromise that Evan McCarthy made with the Freedom Caucus in order to, and they didn't get there, but there are four of them that actually voted present, which uh, lowered the threshold for how many votes 
uh, Kevin McCarthy. And I know this is old news, and I apologize a little bit. Yeah, they're playing so games, they, they though, voted. to me to lower the threshold and allow it to go through, but not vote, then, is a way you can say, I never voted for him, but a way you can also lie and make sure that he gets elected. So to me, that, that present thing is a game, a dishonest game uh, being played by the supposed holdouts, Chris. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. It is a game. It's a cop-out. I don't like it. If I were there, I would make my vote very clear that I am opposed to Kevin McCarthy. Not personally. I never have anything personal against any politician. It's just on principle because I love my nation. It's not that I hate any particular individual. Number two, 72-hour waiting period before the introduction of a bill and a vote on it. Uh, Joel Skousen's, his, his comment is, actually, this is already in the rules. Oh, I didn't know that. You wouldn't know by observing how Congress operates. He goes on to say, but it is always weighed by the majority to expedite passage and deny amendments. The Freedom Caucus is demanding this not be waived in the future. And my comment on that, uh, in addition to Joel, and I agree with Joel's uh, comment there, is that I, I say, what difference does it make? how many days it takes before the bill is voted on if our representatives don't even read the bill. And most of them don't. They're not written by our representatives. They're written by special interest groups that come in and present the bills uh, to congressmen and say, you know, we've, we've done the vetting. You don't need to read this. Don't worry about it. And if you, by the way, if you want to get a donation for your campaign in two years or six years or four years, um, you will pass this legislation. Otherwise, there's no money that's going to be contributed to your campaign next time. Uh, so that's that's where the special interest would come in. So I say, what difference does it make, how many days it takes uh, before you vote on a bill after it's drafted, if the representatives or senators, in, in the case of the Senate, don't read the bill? And they don't. Well, and even so, if you read the bill, no offense, without being an attorney, without having a battery of people review each piece of legislation, it's so long, so complicated, even if you read it. Let me give you an example. The 4,000-plus page omnibus $1.7 trillion fiasco they just passed. Okay, it's 4,000 pages. Okay, If you read a good, large book, it's five, six, seven hundred pages, okay? Yeah, yeah. So 600 pages is a book. you got to read seven of those 600-page books, <laughs> a seven-volume set just to equal this single omnibus spending bill. I don't care if you can read and you read it all or not. You can't understand what you read. You can't retain what you read. You can't oppose different line items and, 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 and realize and put everything in perspective and, well, wait, this piece re- relates to that bill and this piece relates to earlier legislation. So because of that, it means this. And because of the current standard laws or regulations on this, this new line changes it to that. You've got millions of pages of documents to go look up to even correlate it into relevancy. Okay, anybody, I will debate anybody on this topic. You cannot read seven 600-page books. I don't care if you have three days, 10 days, 50 days, and apply them, appropriately understanding them in the reference point of context in which it all relates. It's absolutely, literally impossible for a human to do so. Okay, you would have yeah. to have a battery of humans breaking this up piece by piece, going back to previous legislative sessions, looking at the congressional record, correlating them to bills on the books, relating them to, you know, the 
I'm just telling you, it's absolutely, literally impossible without a whole battery of experts and then applying it and then bringing it forward to the relevancy. You don't even understand what you're even talking about, even if you read them twice. It's not even possible. Not even maybe. I'll debate anybody on this point. Okay? Yeah, no, so it's very, a fool's game, very... even if you read it, folks. Without single-page, yeah. single-legislation bills, one issue at a time, uh, et cetera, so that you can understand the impact and really evaluate the bill. Without that, it's, it's a fool's game. It's a lie. It's a big old con job pretending that it matters when it really doesn't. And, it, and it's sad because on one hand, you want to praise them for at least they're doing something. On the other hand, though, you're being sucker-punched, folks. It sounds good, but it means nothing, Chris. It means nope. nothing. When we come back, Chris takes over again. I just had to go on my um, two-cent rant, I guess. Take my comments for what they're what I'm charging you for them. They're probably worth nothing. Nevertheless, at least I get it off my chest, huh? All right, hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. One of the largest shipments of weapons yet to Ukraine is on its way. The $2.5 billion package includes air defense systems, artillery, and combat vehicles, but not the tanks that Ukraine requested. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says it will help meet Ukraine's needs on the battlefield as Russia continues its nearly year-long invasion. The White House announces new sanctions against a Russian-affiliated mercenary group. Here's Jared Rizzi. The White House wants to make it harder for companies and countries to do business with Wagner Group, a big part of Russia's military machine. Here's National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. Our message to any company that is considering providing support to Wagner is simply this. Wagner is a criminal organization that is continuing wide, I'm sorry, committing widespread atrocities and human rights abuses. Kirby says Wagner has so far deployed 50,000 private military personnel to Ukraine. A newly unsealed search warrant might point to the motive of Brian Koberger, who's accused of murdering four Idaho college students. The warrant reveals several items seized from his home following his arrest included hair strands. He's facing four counts of first-degree murder in the killings of Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and Zana Kernodal. He's due back in court in June. Graceland is hosting a public memorial service this weekend for Lisa Marie Presley. She'll be buried at the site's meditation garden near her son, Elvis, and his parents. Fans will be able to view the gravesite following the memorial service on Sunday. Presley died last week at the age of 54. The Kansas City Chiefs looking to advance to their fifth consecutive AFC championship when they host the Jacksonville Jaguars this afternoon. The New York Giants visit the NFC's top seed Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Sunday marks the return match between Cincinnati and Buffalo, the first since DeMar Hamlin had a heart attack on the field. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. 
And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. We were just talking about some of the compromises that uh, now uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy made with the Freedom Caucus, uh, led by Matt Gates. Uh, so that he would be able to um, uh, get in as Speaker of the House. He had a tough time. It took him 15 votes. So he made some compromises, and they look pretty good if we can actually implement those compromises. And, Sam, you, you went on a, a really effective diatribe as to why people in Congress do not read the bills, because they're so lengthy and because they're written in legalese, and I agree 100%. And the comment that I would like to add to that is our founding document, Sam, the Constitution of the United States of America that established this republic, I can sit down, and I'm a slow reader, so I can sit down, and then in less than an hour, I can have that thing read and understood. Why is it that the bills that we pass under that, that founding structure of our republic cannot uh, be read within that time period? Why is our founding document so, so brief and concise and we can't have legislation that is equally brief and decisive. Um, because they know concise. full well if you could read it and understand it, you will reject it. And if you can understand yep. it and read it and reject it, they'll never gain ground to jettison the principles that make America great and foment their abusive, unconstitutional tyranny. And so they've got to bury it or they know you'll reject it, sir. And they know that congressmen and senators will be held accountable if they had single issue bills that were small and one page that you could read and vet and understand uh, and debate the pros and cons of they know full well 99 percent of what they want to pass what they want to force onto the american people will be absolutely soundly rejected the issues will be debated the the uh, points will be discussed from a constitutional framework they know all this and they know full well they'll never get their way uh, if that happens. And so that's why they're so against it. That's why they continue. And that's why those who claim that they're fighting it with some 72-hour waiting period that's already been on the books, by the way, it's just been ignored. Yeah. And now they're saying, we want to guarantee you don't ignore that anymore. Well, none of that matters. A tinker's darn, ladies and gentlemen. The truth is, it's a game. And they know full well. They know full well that even if you were to wait three days on a 4,000-page bill, what difference does that make? Answer, none. In fact, yeah. it makes it worse because it makes you believe something's being done when it's not. Okay? It's worse than telling you it won't make any difference because it betrays you on this altar of feeling like you're gaining ground when you're really not. Chris? Yep. No, it's just window dressing. And I would propose instead of that 72-hour waiting period, which you and I pointed out is going to be meaningless, why don't we um, establish a rule that every member of Congress should be able to sit down and read a document within an hour and a half to two hours uh, in order to understand what's in it. Uh, you know, limit the wording. 
you know, to the number of words that's in the founding document of our country, the Constitution. I think that would, would, would be much better, and then citizens can read it too. No, yeah, my buddy Jim Babka, my buddy Jim Babka, downsized D.C. put forward several um, bills. One of them was read the Bills Act, and you had to read every bill and confirm yep. or sign on the dotted line that you really read it. Uh, secondly, then it was single page bills, and then third, it was single issue bills. So read the single page, single issue bill, and decide on it up or down. But see, now people become a thousand times more accountable, Chris. They do. Yep. Our representatives and our senators up in Washington, D.C., they will be held accountable for those bills. So they either sit down and read a 4,000-page bill or demand that they be shorter and more concise and demand that they fit within the con- – if, if all those bills really fit within the uh, power limitations of our Constitution, Sam, they wouldn't be long. They would be brief. And that, therein lies the major problem in Washington, D.C. today. Just the expansion of unauthorized uh, non-constitutional authority in the government. So that's really the issue we're dealing with in here. It's not some stupid 72-hour waiting period. It's going to be completely meaningless. So, yeah, that's what I would do. So if you don't have any other comments on that uh, provision that Kevin McCarthy made with the Freedom Caucus, let's go on to number three, allowing uh, any member of the House of Representatives to trigger a vote of no confidence. Uh, and I'll go ahead and read what uh, Joe Skousen has in his brief. A single member can vote to vacate the chair. The Hill responded by saying the results, they say, will be a heightened risk of shuttering the government, defaulting on the federal debts, and grinding the business of the House to a screeching halt. And I say, well, that sounds like a good thing. Let's go with that. But they say it as if it's a bad thing, obviously, because every bill that's passed, in their eyes, has to be good. It's, you know, the people's work. Um and they used to have a threshold of five. If five members of the House of Representatives wanted to vacate the seat, then the, the seat would be vacated. So now that threshold has been lowered to one, and Kevin McCarthy agreed to it. Um, I think that's a good thing. It could potentially be a very good thing, and it may not be invoked, but the mere threat of it, Sam, I actually believe may actually uh, render Congress a lot more accountable. I don't know. Well, it has yet to be seen. Of course, if there's an emergency situation, then they'll waive any of these rules that we're talking about right now. And that's what I meant. I don't know if you caught that in my opening statement. I, I said that I predict that all of these provisions that Kevin McCarthy is making with the Freedom Caucus will be rendered nugatory because there will be some great – it's like 9-11 or just like uh, the COVID-19 – and all these emergency situations that we need to uh, resort to uh, extraordinary measures for. I think this year we're going to have one of those. It's going to be pretty big. We'll see. I could be wrong. But that would render nugatory all of these if we have one of those. Um, in addition to that, I would say social pressure will render this provision nugatory, but the mere threat might be efficacious. So I don't know. Do you have any comment on that? Um, only this, only this, that everything they do gets you so close, but no cigar, sir. Okay, that's yep. how they will always play the yep. game. If they just had another guy or gal, if they just had another compromise, George Santos that could vote for what we want would be good. Uh, we got to let George go, even though he's a drag queen and lying about it, even though he lied about every aspect of his life, because McCarthy needs Santos to make him speaker. And see, with that kind of people, look, 
didn't Kevin McCarthy uh, have an affair too and get caught? Yeah, we can talk about okay. it. We can talk Look, about that. all I'm telling you is this guy is not who you think he is. And if you believe that he's going to no. bring you back to the Constitution, you've lost your mind. Folks, okay, they're not going to bring back liberty for you. They're going to always be so close, but no cigar. So close, but we can't do it. And and, and you look at the, the details, the historical reality of Kevin McCarthy, uh, as you're going to do right now, Chris, and you'll see exactly what I mean. It's always so close or always right. different than you expect or think every time go ahead sir yes did you okay did did you want to talk about the affair but let me let well, me we'll, we'll do it just keep going where you are i just want to get this yeah. if somebody's listening and they leave and they don't get the affair later they'll know that he had one uh, so don't just one. jump yeah. around stick where you are but i'm just telling you add these yeah. little tidbits in because when you repeat them people remember them chris yeah no what you people said think, is, is people very... think that i'm i'm uh I'm, uh, oh, what's the word? That I have Alzheimer's, and that's why I repeat myself. It's not true. I repeat no, myself no, no. because I want you to remember something, okay? Yes. The more I kind of repeat or hammer on something, that's why in and out of the breaks, I repeat what we talked about. I summarize. I say it again I because I want people who, you know, turn on the radio, turn off the radio, duck in, duck out of the program to get what we're saying. And so it's on purpose to help you remember and to help people who may not have two hours for us to get what we're saying. That's the reason for it, Chris. Yeah, and what you said is very instructive, and it, it's very vital to their plan to deceive us and to lead us along thinking, yeah, we're finally going to get make some progress here. They, they want us to have hope. They don't want to totally crash the system all the time. We talked about this last week, remember? And uh, they, they want the system to kind of limp along and you know give us that hope that, yeah, we're just right around the corner. You know, We're going to make some progress. We're going to uh, find out. You know, you know how how deep uh, Joe Biden's involvement with um, his son's uh, shenanigans over in China and stuff. They always want to think is just around the corner. So yeah, that's an important aspect of their deceptive programming. So anyway, let's move on to the ne next one. So McCarthy promised Jim Jordan to head the powerful Judiciary Committee that will lead all the investigations against the Biden regime. Speaking of Joe Biden. I'm not sure any others in the Freedom Caucus will get a committee chairmanship. And that's, that's Joel Skousen saying that last comment. So, and I think that will probably happen. And Jim Jordan is fairly conservative. Now, I did look up his Freedom Index score, Sam, because I always do that with all these. And by the way, uh, Kevin McCarthy's Freedom Index score is a 60. I thought it was going to be lower, but I'm a little bit, I'm not going to say pleasantly surprised, but I'm a little bit surprised that um, Kevin McCarthy's is actually as high as 60, which is a low, low D, barely passing. But Jim Jordan's is 83. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. And 83, you know what? It's an average B, I guess. I mean, it's okay. It's nothing to write home about, but it's better than failing, I guess, huh? Yeah. Kind Liberty of Roundtable Live.
treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family, we the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because it gets spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, nice try, but no cigar. Close, but no cigar. There's a variety of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, phrases that relate to this, but that's really the reality when it comes to Kevin McCarthy that you're going to get. You're going to basically, uh, the deep state had to have Somebody who was very, very um, fork-tongued, very good at making you believe they're on your side, that they'll get her done, that they'll make a difference, that they'll, etc. But yet, it's not really going to happen. It's not. Your, it's close, but no cigar. That's the reality of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin said he was going to release the fourteen thousand hours of video about the January sixth event. Hey, Kevin, where is it, buddy? <laughs> okay, it's been days. It's been days since I heard they were going to release that. Where is it, Kevin? Yeah. Well, you see, it's more complicated than that, Sam. We're doing our very best. We're going to release it. Hey. We're going to give you a few journalists that can vet it and tell you what it said. We're going to give you a copy of the Bible. Well, we're not going to give you a copy of the Bible. We're going to give our buddies a copy of the Bible, and they're going to tell you what the Bible says, Sam. Sound familiar? You see the modern-day reality check on that? Well, many people have documented Kevin McCarthy's reality, and it ain't what you think, folks. Chris? No. So, yeah, last um, segment, we talked about him uh, conceding to uh, allowing Jim Jordan to head the powerful Judiciary Committee. And it is a powerful committee. And whoever is the head of that has a lot of influence in Congress. But let's hope that Jim Jordan is the conservative that he tries to make himself out to be. I have my doubts with an 83 percent Freedom Index score. 
Now, Mike Lee has somewhere around 96. Of course, he's in the Senate. That's a little different. But, I mean, the, the, the scores should be – the scores – it's an open book test, Sam. The scores should be 100%. If you gave me the book and you gave me the test and all the answers were in the book, and, of course, the book in this case is the Constitution, you know, I'm going to get 100% every time. And the Constitution, like I said, is short enough. I can read it in less than an hour. Some people are faster than I with reading. They can read it in half an hour. And and they they should have plenty of time to look over these bills. And anyway, I've kind of gone off, but he's got an 83 Freedom Index score. Uh, and I, I my comment is that that's about the grade that I averaged in college. And look how I turned out, right? Okay, that was supposed to be a joke. Sorry. So, but my excuse is that I didn't have any open book tests. What is Jim Jordan's excuse? Really? And, hey, what well, what about Mike Lee's excuse? You know, I'm pretty hard on Mike Lee. People think that he's the cat's meow up there in in the Senate. You know, I'm critical. Why Why isn't that score 100%? So will Jim Jordan do a good job as the um, head of the powerful Judiciary Committee uh, leading the investigations against uh, Joe Biden's regime? Um, that has let, that has yet to be seen, Sam. I have my doubts. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm, you know, I hope, you know, I still have some hope left for this country that we can restore its, it to its constitutional foundation peacefully. And I hope Jim Jordan is the man that he um, thinks that he is, a constitutionalist and, and a conservative. We'll see. Do you have any comments on that? No cigar, sir. No cigar. Close, but no cigar. Yeah, that, that seems to be the prevailing sentiment. You know, oh, we almost made it, but not quite. Maybe next time. And, yeah. Of course, if you gear up and elect the Republicans in 24, by golly, we'll get her done just for you. Yes, sir, we sure will. Almost yeah. got me. And I used to be in that camp and 22 years ago, the 2000 elections. And um, I guess I woke up or, you know, I, I turned to the dark side. Some people think that I'm, I'm a betrayer of the conservative party, the conservative movement, but I'm not. I'm actually more conservative. Anyway, we should probably move on to the next one. Members of, of the conservative House Freedom Caucus got commitments to be added to the rules panel. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the rules panel, Sam. You probably have because, you know, you're more. I'm all about it, yeah. The rules panel Mm -hmm. continues to make the rules, and every time they make rules, they protect the Republican Party. They they protect the Democratic Party. Whoever's in power tweaks the rules to their favor, but never does the rules benefit the American people who elected them, Chris. Again, we're going to tweak the rules close, but no cigar. It'll yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many. There, it's a panel of it's a nine to four ratio. I guess nine conservatives now that we, I say we. That's an old habit I've gotten into. Uh, hold the house to four ratio. So conservatives nine, uh, Democrats four. Uh, we'll see how many uh, members of the Freedom Caucus are appointed to this committee, and we'll see if those rules really do um, help us in any way, shape, or form. I have my doubts again. Uh, whether those rules will be actually according to the rules, uh, you know, you can allow for floor well, amendments. Let me give an example. Policies. Let me give you an example of the rules that's just a lie. The seventy-two hour example we've already exposed as a lie. Let me give you another one. They say, "Man, we did a great job. We reduced it from like four people who have to call for the speaker, saying that we don't have confidence in the speaker to call for his ouster. Now it only takes one, Chris." 
Yeah. Now, they want you to believe that's a huge gain, folks. Wow, that's incredible. But even when 20 of them stand together, they can't stop the current speaker. They can't stop the deep state speaker from being installed, right? So if you yep. can't stop the great, big, great state, big speaker, whatever you want, deep state, whatever, shadow government speaker, um, uh, wolf and sheep clothing speaker, whatever you want to call them, if you can't stop him with 20, what good does it mean that one can call out and say foul? I call foul. Foul, Chris. It's a foul. Hey, stop. It's a foul. What good's it going to do, Chris? 20 of yeah, them you're up can't stop him, right? Right, so right. Reducing yeah. it to one is a fool's game, folks. And we all, at least those who are critical thinkers, know it, folks. We know it. You say, well, it's better than four. And my response is, okay, that's true. I mean, if you're going 100 miles an hour towards socialism with your eyes closed, it's better if you open your eyes, I guess. But unless you turn around the car, it isn't going to help any, is it? No, you're just going to be in fear because you see everything that's coming. You might as well close your eyes. At least it takes away some of the fear as you hurtle down the highway towards communism. Okay, this is the problem, folks. Maybe I'm a little too straight talking, Chris. <laughs> Not for me, Sam. You're right on target because I'm, I'm right there with you, as you know. All um, right, more writers highlight Kevin McCarthy's reality, Chris. Okay. Number six, McCarthy has agreed to take a hard line. Listen to those words. I love the wording that they use. A hard line on increasing the statutory debt limit, which Congress must lift to accommodate spending. It has agreed to through appropriations. Okay, well, define for me a hard line. That means you resist for two or three days and then you capitulate? Because <laughs> that's about par for the course for these guys, right? They want to put on a good show for their constituents and then say, oh, I had no choice. It was just not going to be a hard line is shut down the whole of government, entire shutdown, and then only bring back that which is proven after debates and everything else. Verifiably constitutional, Chris. That is a hard line, my friend. Yep, that, that's my kind of hard line. You bet, because that's the only way we're going to get back to a constitutional foundation. We're not even talking about that kind of hard line, buddy, at all. Yep, that's right. So I, I hope that he does establish a hard line, and it's the kind of hard line that you and I can uh, sink our teeth into, Sam, but I have my doubts. But I would like to, to comment, uh, or I'd like to read Joel Skousen's comments on that, and this is a very insightful comment. Conservatives don't realize that the debt limit vote each year amounts to a balanced budget amendment. Have you ever thought of it that way? Obviously, you have, but most well, people I've don't. Well, I've thought of it a balanced budget amendment, but more than that, I've thought of decreasing spending via this every year reality check. Chris, that's what it's supposed to be for. Yep. yep. It would force Congress to uh, spend within their limits, just like you and I, Sam, are forced to spend within our limits unless we want to go out and borrow money. <clears throat> which now interest rates are so high, obviously we wouldn't. No, I'm moving in the opposite direction. And he goes on to say, and it only takes a majority to say no, only 50 plus 1%. Whereas if we took this to a constitutional ratifying convention where we would um, you know, ratify a bunch of amendments, including a balanced budget amendment, which is called an Article 5 convention. You've talked about it extensively on your show, Sam. It would take a two-thirds vote. Yeah, most Americans that you talk to are in agreement. Most conservative uh, Americans are in, in agreement with this constitutional convention where it would take a two-thirds vote to pass a balanced budget amendment. But yet right now, as we sit, it only takes a, a, a majority vote, and yet we're not taking advantage of it. We're not holding our Congress people to the fire 
Well, you know, we don't have a majority, that. Chris. A majority won't vote for reducing spending. A majority won't even vote for holding spending without an increase. Right? So what? So okay, along the same line, Sam. Then what makes you think that if we hold a constitutional uh, Article Five convention, things are going to change? It isn't going to change. It's only going to get worse. And I'll tell you why. Right now, I can say, hey, this and that is unconstitutional. And I can highlight it. If you make the changes pretty soon, they'll just codify everything they want to do as constitutional. Yep. Oh, boy. I, that Yeah, that's going to get ugly uh-huh. fast. Yeah. I'm, yep, you're right. Can I, oh, so close, but no cigar, buddy. You're almost there, man. You just try again <laughs> next time, buddy. You're going to get there. Yeah. Yep, that's the name of the game. And and I sniffed that out. I, I, I keep saying this, Sam, and I hate to say it, but I sniffed right. that out 22 plus years ago. Anyway, we need one. we need to move on. Can I? I really. Yeah, let's go to the next one. I want to talk about the Keynesian system. We let me just say say it in in brief. We we have to increase the debt ceiling, and here's why: on a Keynesian system, Sam, you have to in, in order. To accommodate for the expansion of the economy, you have to expand the money supply under a Keynesian system. So we have to increase the debt limit. Otherwise, our economy would crash because the money supply would not expand fast enough to keep up with the expanding economy. So it's You're not right. That's point. why the seeds of destruction were sown back in 1913. And until we recognize and highlight that reality check, nothing you do will make a difference, folks, because the seeds of destruction are in the plan. Fiat currency fails. Ponzi schemes have to grow and find the next growing victim. Uh, the snowball has to get bigger or else it eventually stops and fails. Do you read me? And there is no way to get out of debt because, hey, even if you paid it off to the last dollar, Where are you going to get the interest that that dollar caused? Answer, you don't have any money unless you borrow another dollar. Oh, we go round and round the barn of dishonesty, right? That's the truth. I prove it to you. And I'm telling you, I'll debate this with any economist, any Federal Reserve chair, anybody in the country. Oh, yeah. And even Joel Skousen seems to um, lose that point. You know, he talks about the, the debt ceiling and, you know, obviously his sentiments are noble. I don't but think he's losing he, the point. I just think he thinks in the short term, you know what, we can slow the, the, the train down and we can do some things that improve our situation. Uh, and to some degree, he's right about that. Yeah. Right? No, he is right. I, 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 he's not that dumb, obviously. He's, he's a very intelligent individual. But, um, yeah, so the, it's, an, it's a moot point. And I think it's the point we're trying to make here, Sam. So the next one um, is the holdouts reportedly got a pledge to get floor votes on term limits. And border security. And we'll have to talk right, about that. When we come that, back, I'm, we're going to talk about term side. limits. I'm not a term limit guy, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of people are, but I'm not. And we'll talk about that in detail. we got a whole lot coming up, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. We debate details. We get into the weeds. We get into the discussions that matter most. And you can say, well, Sam, that's not helpful. And my response is, you just keep listening to the so close, but no cigar plan then. Nice try, but no cigar plan. And after a while, you'll decide maybe the details do matter. Maybe Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson and others who point to real solutions. Maybe we do matter. And you can say, well, Sam, you'll never get enough people to matter. That's all right. I can at least stand before God and these witnesses today that I am a truth teller. And this is Liberty Roundtable, LovingLiberty.net. God save the republic. 
Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. This is Hour 2 of 2, and the broadcast is for January 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, are you for God, family, and country? Do you want to protect life, liberty, and property? If so, you're in the right place. If not, turn your radio off. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Term limits are what we highlighted last hour, ending with, let's start now. Are you a term limit guy, Chris? I am. So this might get a little interesting, Sam, because I know you and I disagree on on, but we don't disagree on principles. I want to make uh, clear to your audience that we do not dis- disagree on principles. We just disagree on how we might get to where we're both trying to go, which is a constitutional republic restoration. So four term limits. Are you ready for my rationale, my argument? Absolutely. Okay. So as far as term limits are concerned, Sam, anyone who desires to stay in power for more than about 12 years-ish, uh, is I think uh, desires in Washington, yeah, Washington D.C. is afflicted with a disease known as <clears throat> Potomac fever. Okay, the only cure for Potomac fever, Sam, is to live in an environment that is conducive to the realization of the consequences of the laws that you have forced the rest of us to live under. Now that sounds pretty rational, don't you think? No, well, you get to since you were in Washington, you don't. Okay, well, how, how so? Why not? All right, let's <laughs> let's dig in. The founding fathers debated term limits. Are you aware of this? Yes, I know Thomas Jefferson was in favor, but he wasn't part of the Constitutional Drafting Convention. If yeah, he had so been there, we may have let, had let, term Let's letter. end this discussion in a in a real sense by saying the founding fathers chose against them. Yeah, I know. I know. All right, so you break with the tradition of the Founding Fathers when you vote for them, number one. Well, number well, two, my response is this. Uh, everybody seeks for power except for the very few. Christ uh, is the great example uh, of appropriate power usage. Uh, George Washington came very close. In the mere mortal world of humans, George Washington was the best I know, and he term-limited himself. However, it's left to the people, and you can term limit anybody you want to, my fellow Americans. All you got to do is vote them out. But yet, what we want to do is put a law in place to prevent us from having to take responsibility for those whom we elect or do not elect. See, what we want to do is we want to put something in place that says you're not going to serve any longer than two terms or whatever the case may be. My response is, look, folks, listen. (laughs) The reality is, if you want somebody out of office, get them out. And if you don't use your vote wisely, you just want to somehow create a law to make up for your inadequacies or unwillingness to be involved and hold accountable. See, there takes if you're going to have a constitutional republic, the founders said, you know what, you've got a constitutional republic if you can keep it. What they meant by that is you've got to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. You've got to be actively involved. You've got to vote for the person who would carry out your will if you were there. And and so what happens with term limits is pretty soon we think we can create these automated tasks that will run the proper role of government. And that alone is an absolute farce. It cannot work. It will not work. It has never worked. And therefore, all your levers to prevent 
the system from running off the rails will not work. Without engaged, moral, honest, accountable, involved citizenry, you will not make a constitutional republic like America run properly. You will not. And there's nothing that will replace that reality. Nothing. You're right. And so, therefore, I stand with the founders, sir. You're right. No, you made you made very good points. So it would be, kind of be overriding the will of the people. But that can feed to this notion of democratic supremacy. In other words, that we should do everything democratically. If 50-plus percent of the people are in favor of something, well, let's do it that way. And no, 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 no. I, no. And, we don't do it democratically. We do it constitutionally, which means you have some democratic okay. principles tempered with layers of appropriate checks and balances and see what term limits does is it basically violates all the checks and balances and says we're going to have a an absolute check but there's no balances there's no change in the the game there's no ability to to flex as the constitution was designed uh to do with that it's a hard stop uh and 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 so you 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 want this final check to circumvent all the the checks and balances. You just want to check with no balances is the problem. We don't have a democratic system. We have some de- democratic principles within our system. Uh, but mm-hmm. we elect people who then elect people who then serve us. Every uh, system that we have has balances to them. If you create term limits, you jettison all the balances, right? Yeah. See, that's why great minds can disagree, because you make some very good points, Sam, and I agree with everything you've said. So would you be interested in repealing the 22nd Amendment, which limits the presidency to two terms? Yes. You would? Okay. Absolutely. We, we might have Obama still in office at this point. We might have Bill Clinton. Wait, Who knows? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Only if the people choose evil would have Obama. That's right. If the people choose righteousness and choose honor and do their duty to their God and to their country, we wouldn't have Obama. In fact, we might have Chris Carlson. See, that's the part we're not (laughs) understanding. If we just go ahead and and we think we can have a uh, Tesla driving government, you've lost your minds, folks. It ain't going to happen. Don't pretend it will. Don't try to put stop gaps and brakes in that you won't do yourself because it will not okay. work, right? Okay. No, you make some wonderful points, Sam. I'm not going to disagree because I don't want your audience to get the impression that we disagree on principle. But, but I don't. do want you to highlight, though, the reasons that you still think it makes sense. And I'll talk about each one of them one at a time, though. Let's. Let, what else do you think makes sense? The founders voted okay. against it. It takes mm-hmm. away the responsibility of the American people. It isn't the current law of the land. Would I repeal this 22nd Amendment? Absolutely. We don't need it, folks. Okay. All right. Well, Thomas Jefferson and I disagree, but that's okay. That's okay. We can disagree on minor points. It's not a principle that we're disagreeing on. We're we're disagreeing on the vehicle that we use to get to the same destination. Let me put that way. You talk about lame duck. Uh, I know Scott Bradley agrees with you on this. Uh, By imposing term limits, like say, Let's say it was 12 years for a senator. For half of those 12 years, they would be a lame duck uh, lawmaker, and they wouldn't really care about the consequences of their actions in Washington because they know that they're not going to be able to be reelected. Yeah, you but my that. plan my plan is if we term limit them by uh, not electing them next time, they have all the second six years to try to show me why I should keep them there. Yeah, no, and I understand that principle. The accountability they, lasts the whole time, sir. 
Okay. So th there is that pressure applied or, or the lack of, well, yeah, in the case of what we have now, you know, every term there's pressure for them to want to be in a position to be reelected during the next election cycle. I understand that pressure is salutary. It's a good thing. But there's also the pressure, if you know that you're going to be merging back into mainstream society, that you will have to live under the laws that you helped to pass. And I think that pressure may or may not uh, be even worse than the pressure of knowing that you will have to stand for a reelection. Now, you let see me what I'm throw saying? something out. Just because I'm against a law for term limits, that doesn't mean I'm against using it as a campaign effort. If I tell you, hey, Chris, if you elect me as senator, I will term limit myself to two terms. Okay, I, and that's one of my campaign promises. I don't have any problem with people term limiting themselves. George Washington did it. Yep, he certainly okay. did. I don't have any problem with people saying I'm going to do that. And then you can hold me accountable to my promise. And so I think it certainly should be brought up as a key critical question uh, when we decide if we're going to give somebody a chance to be our servant. Uh, that we bring this up and we extract from them promises that we then uh, – that just helps us remove them if they try to hold on longer. I can basically say, look, Sam said he was going to term limit himself. Now he's reneged on that. What a shame Sam is. Disgrace. He promised he would, and now he's reneging because he's holding on to power. See, that can be used powerfully against people. But, but why not make it a campaign issue? Why do we need a law? See, that's the problem with law after law after law. We think that somehow the law is going to make it better, like the criminals or the, the bad guys are going to obey the law. No, you're right. right. So th you're this right. is the problem. Now, I'll give you an example. I have a dear friend. He's a, he used to be a sheriff. His name is Brad Rogers. He's the sheriff of a place called Elkhart County, uh, Indiana. Indiana. He, was, he was the sheriff. Mm -hmm. Now, he got term limited, and he's gone now. Huh. I think he should have stayed. I think he should have stayed sheriff. However, all he did was quit, and then he ran for county commissioner. Now he's a county commissioner, see? Yeah. So he didn't get out of government yeah. at all. Wasn't, okay, wasn't so, he the one? Go ahead. It, so I, I this is what I'm talking about. I would rather have people be accountable to me. And if you promise me you'll term limit yourself, and that's one of the reasons that I elect you, then I expect you to do it. And do I think we ought to extract that out of people before they run? Absolutely. So I don't have a problem with getting them office. It's how and what levers we put in place, right? I don't need more laws. You just want another law is the problem with you. Why do you want another law, Chris? I don't. I want the laws oh, to yeah, exist you do. within our minds. And our, okay, yeah, yeah. You caught me. Yeah, so you do. You need to stop but that. Don't, 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 okay. don't try to pass another law, buddy. Don't do it, please. We, know, we got gazillions but... of them already. And every time everybody believes their new law is going to be the good one, it's going to be the one to turn around our government, buddy. But it ain't true. Well, you true. have to have some. You have to have some to protect the innocent, no matter how bad Like the Ten Commandments, I'm in. Yeah, you got to have some. But, you know, usually great minds uh, lean towards fewer laws rather than more. You're right. As a Roger that. Hang tight. Chris Carlson continues in seconds as he advocates for term limits. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, 
breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off. With America surrendering to terrorists, Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. And we're talking about provisions that uh, Kevin McCarthy made with the Conservative Caucus in order to um, get a few of them to stand down and vote present during his um, uh, uh, election to the Speaker of the House. And it worked, but the, he did get some conce- or he did make some concessions with them, and he agreed to do certain things. And we're going through those things. We're talking about whether or not they will be efficacious. And for the most part, I, did, I think they might, they could potentially be. We talked about term limits. They're going to talk about, you know, maybe making um, a law, limiting the terms of congressmen. That may or may not help. Sam doesn't think it will. I think it will. So we can disagree on, you know, certain um, things that are not uh, issues of principle. But another one of those uh, concessions that Kevin McCarthy made with the Freedom Caucus was that he agreed that the CLF, which is the Conservative Leadership uh, Fund, which is a PAC, a PAC, a PAC, a political action committee backed by McCarthy, uh, committed to stay out of open primaries. And I think this might work, Sam. Uh, so basically, when you primary a candidate out, uh, you know, to determine who's going to be the Republican candidate and who's going to be the Democratic candidate, uh, a lot of times uh, these uh, political action committees, uh, this one is one of the more powerful ones, the Conservative Leadership Fund, uh, will back a particular candidate that they think is more electable. Um, unfortunately, those are usually not the best uh, choice for the people. They're not the most conservative. They can be like middle line compromisers, even rhinos. So I think this might help. Um, we'll see. But uh, w- my comment on that is even if, um, you know, you you do get a, 
a conservative, a real true conservative, not a rhino conservative Republican uh, appointed through the um, through primary pro- process in a particular area. If the mainstream media does not back that candidate and favors the Democratic candidate, um, it, it's not going to matter. So the mainstream media pretty much calls all the shots in the elections. We talked about this before, Sam. We need to be careful. Yeah, and their great weight now really creates election fraud oftentimes is the problem, ladies and gentlemen, depending on what they do. But most of the time they're involved in election integrity fraud. And I believe these PACs in the first place. Do you know what a PAC stands for? Political Action Committee. And what it really means is, hey, we have campaign finance laws, but we're going to create a pact to get around those laws, right? And I don't we're going like to be able it. to put money. We're going to be able to put money. In the, so we're not going to take on the pack and shut down the pack if we're Kevin McCarthy. We're just going to tell you the pack isn't going to get involved in debating certain candidates and where they are in the primaries. As long as the Republican stays in the primaries, and as long as the pack stays in existence to circumvent standard money uh, laws, they don't care. They'll make you feel good about that. But the only way to really solve it is get rid of the packs entirely. Either the laws have weight and you shouldn't get around them, or jettison the law. But both is a dishonest delivery of falsehoods, Chris. Yeah, uh, well, the whole two-party system is a is a falsehood, like you said, when we talked about. But in as much as you have to work within that system, I don't like the PAC. Yeah, they they are a loophole around the limitations on how much you can contribute to each particular candidate, and they are extremely manipulated by the powers that be to make sure that both candidates. In whatever race you're talking about, local as well as national races, are stacked to where it doesn't even matter if the Republican or the Democrat wins. Uh, you still get the Packs, same result. Packs are like parties. They will destroy the country, sir. Oh, yeah. They, they certainly will. I think, it, I, I think the campaign laws should have been the way they used to be before the Packs emerged as a loophole against the limitations. I think people should be limited. I don't know how you feel about that and, and how much they can give to one particular candidate. Because you, you know, you, I gotta you get, give whatever you want to anybody. This is America, not China. If I want to give you a million dollars for whatever reason I want to, I should be able to. Unless that reason is criminal, then that's a different topic. Okay. But I, uh, why, yeah. why should I not be able to give you whatever money I want to? Who do you think you are? It's my money. Well, I can then, do whatever I want then, with it. Well, then the corporation is just like like we're seeing today. You know, through through PACs can rule the day. And I don't like the, the of course, if you fix yeah, the monetary through system. Just, and the, through PACs just means we're going to kind of make it secret. We're going to play games with how much who can give and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Jettison all those laws and let me give to whoever I want to. If, on the other hand, someone's getting too much money from a corporation, let me, the other side of the aisle, expose that reality. Or let me in the same party, if I'm running against somebody, expose that. Hey, this guy's tied to big money interests that'll sell you down yeah. the river. This guy's tied to big pharma. This guy's tied to this and that. All PACs do is limit my ability to expose you on those scores. Uh, so, see, the, yep. the laws don't, don't help. This idea that you're going to control me, that you're going to limit me, that you're going to shut me down doesn't work, folks. No. Yeah, if we just had if, – if everything was on the up and up, like you said, Sam, you know, out in the open, we didn't use these loopholes and these tricks and these games – I think the, re- the election results would be completely and totally different if we didn't favor the, the two-party system, which is a huge problem. You're right, because people, you know, I used to think the same way. You know, if you don't vote for one of the of the other one or the other party, you're throwing your vote away. And I used to think yeah. that. See, money rules and money limits are just like term limits, mm-hmm. right? They don't work. 
Now, because we say PACs can be traced too much, now what they're going to do is they're going to just use what? Dark money? What's that? Well, that's a step beyond PACs that play the game even more dishonestly. This is what I mean. Yeah. We put all these rules in, and it was going to help, and then they created PACs, and then they came out with whatever dark money beyond PACs. What are those things called? And Right? It doesn't work, folks. Yeah. The more you limit me, all it does is limit me, but the next guy finds a way around it. So it's kind of like the criminal. You know, the idea is take away my gun because, by golly, guns are no guns aren't bad. Money's not bad. Okay. It's how it's used. Uh, And when you take away my gun, all you do is enable the criminal. When you take away my ability to fund my candidate, all you do is make it possible for somebody else to not obey the laws and fund their candidate, right? Yeah. It limits the little guy more than it limits the big guy who's interest or well the little guy or the guy that obeys the rules or whatever right well yeah or the rich guy that that really has a genuine interest in preserving the constitution you're right that's a good point too let me give you a headline to make the point democrats decry dark money then they won with it in 2020 (laughs) (laughs) can i make my point more poignant ladies and gentlemen Uh, well yeah, we'll, we'll do it about anyway. So that's that. And again, it doesn't matter how much money a candidate has if the, uh, the mainstream media chooses that they're going to go with one or the other and favor one or the other. That's the, usually the candidate, unfortunately, based on human nature, the person that they see more often and is presented more favorably on the mainstream media will most likely get the vote. So that's that. I don't think that's going to make a difference. So number nine, McCarthy reportedly agreed to allow open rules on spending measures, which could lend lengthy debates and efforts to zero out funding for programs unpopular with Republicans. Well, how do you define lengthy debates? There there are going to be limits on debates. Whether they're lengthy or not is in the eye of the beholder. So we'll we'll see how he defines lengthy debates. But I take another part part of that statement. It said lengthy debates. That's debatable. No question. But then read that last part right after the lengthy debates. Okay. Uh, Which could lead uh, to efforts to zero out funding for programs unpopular with Republicans. All right. I don't care if a popular if a program is popular or not with somebody. What I care about is is it constitutional. That's right. Okay. I don't care how popular it is. And the reason I say this is Donald Trump now is debating with the Republicans and warning them. Oh, don't you dare touch Medicaid and Social Security there. Don't you touch that. You know, you take on some of the things that the liberals want and prize and this and that. And don't. What are you, a socialist, Don? There's no yeah. bigger Ponzi schemes in America than Social Security, right? There's no <laughs> bigger Ponzi scheme in the country than Medicare and Medicaid, right? So why are you going to protect that, Donald? Because it's popular. It's the third rail of politics, don't you know? See, all I want to know is, is it constitutional? If it is, I want to fund it. If it's not, I don't want to fund it, Chris. Yeah. Yep, you're right. That which has become popular is not always constitutional or ethical. And we're seeing that, unfortunately. It's become more of a, like a sporting event. (laughs) Elections and the aftermath of elections, Sam, have become more like sporting events where we have to make sure that our team's team wins no matter what, just because, well, it's our team, right? And we lose track of why it's our team in the first place, which is, you know, they're supposed to be uh, working for our constitutional protections. 
Yeah, the dark say. money to athlete or the dark money to politicians is like doping to athletes, Chris. That's a good analogy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, well, that's kind of a limit libertarian issue. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't athletes be able to take whatever supplementation benefits them? And, sure. And Why not? Sporting events. I'm not here yeah. to stop them. Why do we need a law yeah. to stop them? Now, you can have a private organization that says we're the non-doping such-and-such league. And if you want to create a league that we know is not doped and compare that against the dope leagues, you can see the difference in what it does or doesn't do for you. That's why I'm for the uh, Yes Guns, No Smoking Airlines. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. Sad news out of Ukraine. Military officials confirm the death of a former Navy SEAL. The U.S. Navy says it's unclear why Daniel Swift was in the Eastern European country. He was a special warfare operator who had been listed as an active deserter since 2019 and was last stationed in Coronado, California. Swift is the sixth American known to have died while reportedly fighting in Ukraine. A bipartisan group of senators is visiting the war-ravaged country. Republican Lindsey Graham and Democrats Richard Blumenthal and Sheldon Whitehouse met with Ukrainian officials, including President Zelensky. A $2.5 billion weapons package is on its way to Ukraine. It's one of the largest shipments yet. It includes air defense systems, artillery, and combat vehicles. President Biden hosts mayors at the White House. Dave Collins has more on what they covered. It was a bipartisan group of mayors. During the event, one thing he talked about was policing. Everything shouldn't be in the extreme. So the way we train police officers is changing. And there's a lot of things you can look at to determine whether or not you can affect the safety of your city. He noted that under his American Rescue Plan, $350 billion was made available to state and local governments to make communities safer. He added the answer is not to defund the police, but to provide more funding. A public memorial service for the late Lisa Marie Presley will take place at the Graceland Mansion in Memphis on Sunday. Fans have gathered to pay their respects, including this woman who tells NBC that she adored Lisa Marie. I was sad beyond words. I cried. She was his only child who will carry on his name. Presley will be buried at Graceland's Meditation Garden near her son Elvis and his parents. Wild weather continues this weekend. More than 7 million people are under winter weather alerts as another system is set to slam the northeast. Heavy snow is expected in New Hampshire, New York, Maine, Massachusetts, and Vermont. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. 
Okay, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. We've been talking about some of the concessions that uh, Kevin McCarthy made to in order to become Speaker of the House of Representatives. And uh, I would like to talk about the next item on the list. He promised to reveal the salary, Sam, of government officials. Well, we kind of already know some of those salaries. In fact, we knew that Fauci made approximately $465,000 a year. That was no secret. The people didn't really seem to care about it, though. They, they kept listening to them, to him, his brainwashing, and that's why so many people are dying. We're going to talk about that next segment, but um, we already know what people make in Washington, D.C. It's about four or five times more than what the average American makes. Uh, I don't know what revealing the salaries of government officials is really going to do to change the game, Sam. People don't Chris, seem to it's going to make you feel good. It's popular to get salaries out on the table there. It's important. Well, they are. It's important, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it makes know, no difference whatsoever, folks. It's bogus. Yeah. It's just I think we ought to hold congressmen and senators to the average salary of the American people. You know what? Nah, that would require a lot. Just kidding. Just kidding. Well, why Don't not? want that there, yeah. Uh, but it would be so efficacious because then they would be pulling for us. i got to start us. paying congressmen and senators millions and millions of dollars like football players, man. <laughs> but I would rec- recommend that they be required to have all of their donors uh, on their jerseys. The bigger the donor, the bigger the pass that they would have to have, just like uh, NASCAR drivers. You've seen their – well, well – you haven't seen them, but you know that they wear jackets that have all their sponsors, you know, and the bigger the sponsor, the bigger the the insignia. I yeah, think by the way, if I had the Liberty Roundtable jacket like that, I'd only have like one or two patches on there. Sam <laughs> and a couple of his buddies, that's it. Uh, now you're making me feel guilty, Sam. I need to donate. Anyway, so, yeah, that won't make a, a plug nickels worth of difference. He reportedly agreed to spending caps that would limit future aid to Ukraine. That would be good, but that would be hidden in the military budget, you know, for future military expenditures. In fact, it might even be uh, off-balance sheet type expenditures. Yeah, and like Obama sent big old suitcases of cash overseas, that's all you got to do. If Congress blocks money, if you're the president, you just send over boatloads of suitcases full of cash. No yeah. criminal activity there, no harm, no foul. See, until we get to the bottom of this and arrest people like Joe and Obama and others for their criminal activity and manipulation of funds and everything else, what difference will that make, Chris? I mean, I appreciate the but sentiment, oh, but it won't make any difference. It won't make any difference. You're 100% right because there's so many ways that they can get away with distributing money without having it originate in uh, the House of Representatives, which the Constitution, as you and I both know, requires. But, you know, it's, it's off budget because it's military expenditure, have to be top secret. All this stuff can be resorted to to make sure that our money is being – and as far as the, the Ukraine is concerned, Sam, we know that that money is being laundered. You know, it's not – I mean, some of it is getting to weaponry that they're using to fight against Russia. But the only a way to make it, it stop well. would be to go back to honest money, Chris. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. That is probably the first thing I'd do if I were president is put us back on an honest money system and declare all Federal Reserve notes, now uh, Treasury notes, and backed by gold. You could do it. It'd be so easy. Even a dummy like I could do that. Anyway. There you have it. Back to, 
getting back to those provisions, I want to go through, because I want to talk about McCarthy's track record, because it's going to blow your mind, his track record. And all the, you know, he he's never been Speaker of the House. He has been Majority Leader. In fact, there were two years where the Republicans had um, the House, they had the Senate, and they had the presidency. That was in 2017 when Donald And the Trump courts. Don't president. forget the courts there. They had control of the courts too, Chris. They had everything, and they did nothing they with everything. it. everything. Yep. You're right, because uh, six of the nine uh, Supreme Court justices were actually appointed by Republicans. They had everything. They could have restored this constitutional republic to its constitutional foundations, but they didn't. You want proof um, they don't want to? There it is. There it is. Okay, but before we do, I, I want to talk about the next one. The Texas border plan will be put before Congress. The four-pronged plan aims to complete physical border infrastructure yeah, that's what Donald Trump said he was going to do. He had four years to do it, and he could have done it, but he didn't. Uh, number two, fix border enforcement policies, enforce our laws in the interior, and target cartels and criminal organizations. I would like to point something out that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to thirty-five years, right? You're but breaking up. Say it again, Chris. Let's say that one more time, Sam. You're breaking up. Sorry. Say it again. Oh, okay. I'm going to – so for the first 200 years of this country's existence, we've been around for 235 years, according to my calculations. We had an open border. We've never had a fence on that border. But we didn't have any issues with illegal immigration. Have you ever wondered why? Well, I can tell you why, because we didn't have the handouts left and right. We didn't have the reasons to come here to commit criminal activity and escape your country. Uh, there were uh, complications to become here. We used to vet people to make sure they were all right, to make sure they didn't have diseases, to make sure they weren't criminals and fleeing other countries. We had uh, guidelines in place, and we also didn't have this free handout bringing all kinds of ne'er-do-wells to America looking for something for nothing. We didn't have that agenda then, right? So, does, yes, exactly what you said. That's exactly what I was going to say. Doesn't that put the lie to the fact that we need to put a wall up then? Why do we need a wall if the, for the first 200 years of our country's existence, we never needed any of those things at the border? We just I'll give you one other tidbit. Why not shut the illegal door down and open the legal door appropriately? There's a lot of room. I've driven from Montana to Texas. There's plenty of room here for people, ladies and gentlemen. What we got to do is have people come for the right reasons who will build America, who don't want to be on the dole, who will jettison their old country in their own language and embrace what's called America and become Americans like we used to have. Now what we do is we create these enclaves. Uh, of people who don't want to give up their country or their culture or that they just want to um, supplant it in America funded by our tax dollars. Okay, uh, we need to go back to the yesteryear immigrant who believed in America, who believed in our way of life and said, I want to learn. No, we're not speaking our, our other language in our house. We're learning English. We're going to embrace the customs and the ways and the life of Americans. We're going to work hard, and we're going to have the American dream. See, they used to get that, Chris. They no longer get it because you don't have to do that to get here or to stay here. That's the problem. That's right. Very well put, Sam. I wish I could have said it as uh, eloquently. One more uh, provision. Uh, we'll skip over a couple, but this, this is really important because I think uh, there's a huge blind spot. You know, we talk about the uh, funding of the 87,000 new IRS agents and how up in arms American conservatives were about that when that was uh, passed in legislation recently. Um, and they're going to apparently Kevin McCarthy is going to address that issue. We're, they're going to repeal that legislation, which is great. Here's the problem, Sam. 
uh, once we have a central bank digital currency, all that is going to be a moot point because then the IRS is they'll probably downsize because all they'll have to do is they'll cut off our funds if we don't pay our taxes. They won't need 87,000 new IRS agents. The, one or two could do the same job as a dozen of the regular agents with a computer. They'll just cut off our funds, and that's exactly what we're headed for. And I hope people are awake to that reality. And we could talk about that another day. But I, So that's basically all that I wanted to cover about the concessions that uh, McCarthy has made in order to get a few of the conservative caucus members to stand down and not vote either yay or nay for him as the um, Speaker of the House. But I would like to talk at this point about McCarthy's track record because he's got a pretty dismal track record. So like you said, in uh, 2017 and 2018, we had a conservative House. Well, we had a Republican House. We had a Republican Senate. We had a Republican Supreme Court, and we had a Republican presidency. We could have made so much progress under those conditions if they, the people that were, in fact, Republicans had done the right thing. Let's look at the record. On May 3rd, 2017, the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2017, a 1,665-page omnibus, omnibus bill, passed with barely any time to read it and was supported by the Democrats 178 to 15. The Democrats loved it, but the Republicans were split down the middle. Every single Senate Democrat voted for it. This is under a Republican-dominated government. The budget bill increased spending, busted the budget caps, declined to gut Obamacare's promise, and failed to fund the border wall. Under a Raise the debt ceiling all on top of it all, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll just, in the interest of time, because I want to transition uh, during the next period, on September 8th, the same thing happened. McCarthy has majority. Remember, he's majority leader during this period of time. Uh, Paul Ryan was the Speaker of the House. He voted for, and this is another September 8, 2017, during that same period of time, and whipped for a debt ceiling suspension. Okay, so he, he has a track record of supporting debt ceiling suspensions. Okay, and then there are two yeah, other Yeah, track record of raising the debt ceiling is what we're saying. Hey, let's skip the break real quick. I do have a commercial I want to focus on, though. Did you guys know the Freedom Fest is coming up in July? It'll be in Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through the 15th, ladies and gentlemen. The Freedom Fest. And I will be there with a booth, broadcasting live, and a whole lot more. If you want to rub shoulders with the movers and the shakers and the freedom movement, the Freedom Fest is one of the biggest patriotic events you will experience anywhere in the country. Incredible speakers. I'll be bringing a bunch of sheriffs with me to debate and discuss, believe it or not, the border. Yeah, the Freedom Fest is happening July 12th through the 15th of July. That's coming up in 2023. I'm going to be there. So will a bunch of other incredible people. To learn more, check it out. Freedomfest.com. Get your early bird tickets today, and I'll see you there. Freedomfest.com. Chris? Okay, so yeah, so McCarthy has a track record. I just wanted to point that out. This is by Daniel Horowitz. Let's continue because there's a lot of good detail here. So uh, two of the budgets that he supported, I remember he's majority leader of a majority Republican, not only Congress, but president, and as you pointed out, Supreme Court. So they, they had everything they could have asked for. And yet all of these bills on September 8th, 2017, 
um, it was supported overwhelmingly by Democrats because it it elevated the debt ceiling, just like he promised not to. Well, he didn't really promise not to. He said he's going to have a uh, a hard line position on that, which could you know mean he's going to give in after three or four days rather than after one or two days. <laughs> anyway, March 28th, McCarthy and Paul Ryan. Remember, Paul Ryan was the Speaker of the House in 2018 shepherded through a massive omnibus bill for the remainder of the fiscal year 2018 that funded every Democrat priority with increased funding, including the items Trump promised to eliminate completely. So Donald Trump is implicated in this criminal act. After And then Donald Trump, after initially threatening to veto to the bill, Sam, he reluctantly signed it, but then promised that he would, quote, never sign another bill like this again, unquote, which just proves that he knew that it was a bad bill, Sam. That he, for whatever reason, he signed the bill. Yeah, to those yeah. of you who wanted to stop that big old spending bill, I'll say one thing to you. Close, but no cigar. Yep, again. So, and then finally, one of his ass, last Acts of Congress, he passed the final bill, which funded the government with Democrat priorities, minus most of the border wall. Um, and then McCarthy voted for the bill that was supported by nearly every Democrat, but opposed by the majority of Republicans. That was February 14, 2019, um, when, the, like I said, the Republicans were still in power. Um, and then it goes on. And then... There are those credible charges of marital infidelity that we should probably cover, and this probably explains a lot of his behavior, Sam, because the powers that be, they do not want people who are honest, wise, and good in Washington, D.C. because they cannot be controlled. There are not skeletons in their closets that can be threatened to be taken out in order to manipulate and control them. And um, I'll go ahead and read what Margaret Hartman, senior editor for Intelligence or uh, talks about in the World Affairs Brief. She says, um, back in 2015, the rumors were more than a side note in the story of McCarthy's stumble. So apparently a, a congresswoman by the name of Renee Elmers and uh, House of Representative Kevin McCarthy had an affair. GO representative, GOP representative Walter Jones added more fuel to the fire when he issued a letter calling on candidates to withdraw from the race for speaker. So he ran for speaker back in 2015. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and GOP Representative Walter Jones issued a letter saying, if there are any misdeeds that uh, you, Kevin McCarthy, have committed since joining Congress that will embarrass you, the Republican Conference and the House of Representatives uh, will make those misdeeds public. Unquote. Jones later confirmed that his letter was partly inspired by a blog post that he read about McCarthy and Elmers, this uh, other congresswoman. Guess what? McCarthy changed his mind on pursuing the speakership within a matter of hours after having received that letter, Sam. Now, does this prove that he did anything wrong? No. But why would he do a 180-degree reversal on pursuing the speakership after within uh, a few minutes of having received that, or hours, I guess, in this case, of receiving that letter? Making the case for his candidacy and an early morning meeting, then saying that he was dropping out by noon. Um, who knows? I'm not going to... Well, this is a great transition, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot find that which for you don't look, okay? 
You cannot find that for which you don't look. You're not going to find that on McCarthy if you don't look for it either. And what they've done is buried McCarthy's misdeeds and made him speaker anyway, despite 20 people saying no, 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 no. Well, okay. And that's where we are. And that's true in politics. It's true with Kevin McCarthy. And it's also true with the COVID reality. Check. More evidence comes out that we're telling the truth, Chris. More evidence comes out. And I've, I've tried to get Ryan Cole to come on your show. He's a tough guy to get a hold of. He, he's up in Idaho, which is not too far from where we live here in Utah, Sam. So Dr. Ryan Cole, he makes a statement, yes, you cannot find that for which you do not look. Uh, and this is an interview that uh, was conducted with him, uh, with Mr. Uh, or actually a Dr. Jan Jekilek. And uh, Dr. Dan- Jan Jekilek is with um, the with uh, the media group, um, Epic, the Epic Times, excuse me, okay? And he conducted this interview. It was over an hour interview, and Dr. Ryan Cole, who is very well qualified to talk about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And let me run through those qualifications, and we'll probably continue this next week, Sam, because there's a lot of information here that I want to cover, but we'll go ahead and get started now. So Dr. Ryan Cole, um, who owns... Uh, an establishment up in Boise, Idaho called Cold Diagnostics was trained at the Mayo Clinic, trained in an anatomic and clinical pathology, surgical pathology. He did some PhD work in immunology and then did a subspecialty fellowship in dermatopathology in New York under the world expert. So yeah, he's an expert in pathology. And he owns a clinic where they they take biopsies from people with cancer and from other uh, chronic diseases, and they study them. And uh, in the course of his work, you know, during the last two and a half years, during this so-called pandemic that we've been experiencing, and more particularly during the uh, rollout of the uh, vaccinations, so-called vaccinations, they're not really vaccinations, they're mRNA gene therapies, which is different than a vaccination, he noticed some peculiarities with some of the biopsies that he was looking at in his clinic. And um, a lot, a lot of inconsistencies with with what he discovered in his clinic uh, compared to what the government was telling us, particularly Dr. Fauci. So he he talks about uh, when the COVID-19 pandemic um, was in its heyday, which we are not no longer in, he says it looked a lot like MERS. Now, MERS is, um, its scientific identification is SARS-CoV-1. Now, if you remember, COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. There's a reason that those um, scientific designations are so similar, because according to Dr. Ryan Colfam, they are 80% the same, okay, Uh, genetically. So they're, they're very closely related. So he goes on, and I'm going to quote him. So I thought, okay, we know what happened there, that is with MERS, with SARS-CoV-1. It came through, uh, affected mostly the elderly in terms of the adverse outcomes, and then burned itself out reasonably quickly. And this is typical of all viruses, and this is why the uh, our response to COVID-19 was so peculiar, because normally, scientifically speaking, what you do is you get herd immunity within a year, year and a half. Everybody gets herd immunity, and then you move on. But we didn't respond that, uh, to COVID-19 in the same way that we responded to MERS, for example. 
uh, and I think that was like 2006, 2007, when that pandemic occurred. He goes on to say, and those who have been exposed were immune and still are 18 years later. Now he's talking, going back to talking about SARS-CoV-1, which is MERS. So he basically said, once you're exposed to the disease, in the case of MERS, you you quickly become immune to it, and you you gain herd immunity over a period of a year, year and a half, and then you are immune to that particular strain of that virus for life. He said, okay, so we can manage this. And then I watched, and what the world did, I thought, this is an interesting approach to something, uh, quote, the two weeks to flatten the curve, and we're afraid of what this might do. So, you know, as an honest doctor, and there's some out there, Sam, that aren't as, as much concerned about their careers in the medical field, that they can actually uh, observe what's going on during this recent uh, two and a half years during this pandemic, and they can scratch their heads and honestly say, there's something that's not right. There's something amiss with how we're approaching this, and Dr. Ryan Cole happens to be one of them. Um and he goes on to talk about uh, case fatality rates. He said this case, and now he's talking about COVID-19. He says this case fatality rate is just a fraction of a percent instead of many percentage points, like they were telling you. Remember initially they were saying, oh, we could have 10% fatality rates with COVID-19. No. He was uh, observing this phenomenon objectively. Uh, you know, ruling out some of the things, the cases that were not even close to, you know, like somebody got in a car accident and had, were diagnosed with COVID-19. So they ruled out a COVID-19 death. Okay, so he talks about that. So we had this construct, societally of 3% or 8% of people are going to die under the age of 65 with no comorbidities, the case fatality rate was essentially almost zero. So with his objective observation, he he noticed that the reality of the situation in the case of COVID-19 was so much different than the dire predictions and even what they were reporting with their falsified data. So he goes on to say, if the government policy, when we looked at it, was more the pandemic and scare instead of just following the data, following the evidence. And um, so he knew early on, and he, there's a yeah, thing. He knew early on, and he highlights that he talks about we have a, a vitamin D epidemic in America. Uh, he oh, also yeah. gets his YouTube videos taken down. This guy's a hero, ladies and gentlemen, and you really need to get enough vitamin D, folks. It is a serious problem. If you want to stay well, you've got to have enough vitamin D. Uh, it's that simple. You cannot find... That for which you do not look. Dr. Ryan Cole uh, with the details. He talks about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. They're antivirals. They make a huge difference, folks. But you know what? We have federal agencies saying don't do autopsies. We're not going to fund that. We're not going to look at that. We're not going to. He's like, why wouldn't you look at it? Why wouldn't you follow the data? Why wouldn't you look at everything? And Dr. Ryan is spot on, Chris. Yep. Yeah, he does talk about, now I'll add a personal note to his ivermectin. I was diagnosed, and I think it was the Omicron variant, if there is such a thing, and I'm skeptical as to whether there is such a thing as the Omicron variant. So I was, uh, about two and a half years ago, my wife and I both got 
um, COVID-19. And I, it was probably legit. I probably did because we were diagnosed with it, even though the um, the tests are bogus. But all the symptoms were consistent. But then later on, Sam, and I know you got it too, but later on, Sam, I got another uh, form that was similar. I didn't lose my taste. And I took ivermectin. And the ne- literally the next day, I was back to work. Uh, interesting. Because I took ivermectin. And I was I down literally for a month. And the second I got ivermectin, within hours, I got off oxygen. Yeah. In fact, he, he recommended, so he going back to the dialogue here, or the yeah, the dialogue, he says his first patient was actually his brother. And his brother satisfied a lot of the comorbidities associated with uh, people who died from COVID-19. And he said he recommended that his own brother, who was overweight and had diabetes, go and get some ivermectin. The next day, his brother called and reported that he was better. And then he cured his mother. And then he went on and cured uh, upwards to 400 of his personal patient, patients at his clinic. And he said not one of them had to report to the hospital and not one of them died. And to, I think to every one of them, he recommended either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or probably both. He didn't. The make government that clear. is shutting this guy down, ladies and gentlemen, wrongfully so. The great doctor finishes by saying this. Get the government out of the people's medical care. Look, they don't need to be deciding, these policymakers, what treatment you do or do not get, ladies and gentlemen. Let doctors be doctors and be good doctors and prescribe medicines as they think best. And don't you dare experiment on, in, experiment on anybody, especially the children. What an incredible doctor, Chris. Yep. I wish um, I wish we could get him on your show. Maybe we can, Sam. I tried to do that for you, but he's a hard guy to get a hold of. But he's a good man, very good man. All right, we're waiting for Chris's outro, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving patriots everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. LovingLiberty.net. Donate liberally, please. We need every penny we can get to tell the tale of truth everywhere we go. Thanks so much for your involvement in the broadcast. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.